This is the Global Service Associates Podcast, and I'm your host, Andy McCullough. Bruce, Bruce, oh man, I was gonna. Is it, do you pronounce your last name McCluggage? McCluggage, and and I, I tell my students this all the time. I go, it's Bruce. It's, it's a lot of letters there, <laughs> ten of them. MCC luggage. So McCluggage. <laughs> McCluggage. Yes. Well, you know, my name's the same way. People, yeah, butcher McCullough. So, yes, you know, it's not a Scotch Irish. I know. Exactly. Man. Yes, exactly. Unite the clans. Unite the clans. <laughs> yeah, we'll get Brent McBain and uh, Terrell McConnell. Yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of just take over global service <laughs> with the Scotch Irish, right? <laughs> so, Bruce, you're in Colorado Springs. Um, hey, just kind of introduce, give a little bit of your family. I know you're married, right? Yes. We uh, met in California. I was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ there, and Mary Ellen was a school teacher at the oh, time. Wow. And it was a whole long story behind that. But there's, she eventually came on staff herself, and and then a couple of like years later, we started having children, and <laughs> ended up having four children in the next okay. ten years, and and they're all now in their twenties uh, and thirties. Uh -huh. Wow. Do, do, you, do you have any grandkids? Are you grandkids? I do. I have a couple. A couple of them. Oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah. Right. And then did your kids live near you in Colorado Springs? Or they? A couple of them do. And then one is in the Minnesota area. That's where uh, he started today. He's flying as we speak. Uh, okay. Uh, back to uh, the uh, Poland, Ukraine, uh, Slovakia area. Oh, and wow. um, so it's kind of exciting. I looked up some of my roots even this morning, what I was doing this morning, and my great grandmother was born 30 miles away from where he's planning to, to go and help. Um, he's uh, helping uh, people to rally around the old growth forests that are still left in uh, that region of, wow. the, of, of the world. That's he's kind of an activist along, along those lines. Yeah. Kind of, kind of exciting. My other daughter is in California. Oh, that's cool. Hey, you know, I, I believe part of our role in the kingdom work, redeeming this world he's yes. created, you yes. know, so that's, yeah, there's a lot of aspects of saying, okay, this is, this is, this is the thing that gives God pleasure, you know, indeed, indeed, it, uh, of course, I did not always really value that or think that a big a part of me and and my background is coming from a pretty far-right conservative home and um and i had a lot of different uh, threads of uh protestant religion uh in influencing me if you could imagine putting a baptist and a Pentecostal and a uh, Quaker all in the same room and having a dialogue oh might, might say, you know, a, a Baptist minister and a Quaker minister and a Pentecostal minister all walk into a bar and, you know, just kind of <laughs> complete the whole thing. <laughs> Imagine 
that conversation. My, I was uh, born into a military family. My dad moved around. Um, by the time I uh, graduated uh, from high school, we were living in Northeast Ohio, back in a, kind of the hometown area of okay. uh, my family. And, and, uh, but I was a, a trader. I kind of went across, across the Ohio-Pennsylvania border to go to Penn State University. And that's where I went off to college to study to be a rich engineer. But then I became involved with a uh, college campus ministry there, Campus Crusade for Christ. It was called at the time. Now it's called Crew. My junior year, I traveled out to Lake Tahoe, California, and uh, was part of a summer project there with Campus Crusade. Yeah. And that's where I met one Mr. Jay Gary. One thing Bruce and I talked about is he's going to give a little bit of the background of Global Service Associates. So that's what he's leading into. Yeah. Um, and then we will we'll get into some of the stuff he's doing currently. But so Jay, Jay Gary was the founder of Global Service Associates. Well, it but, but not at that time. No. <laughs> and, and so I could give a little bit of the background. But what what is so I, I, I so look forward to this time with you, Andy, and, and show the foundations of yeah, how even great. GSA came came about. And, and what year was this? You were in Tahoe. This Bruce? is ni- 1979, summer of 79. Uh, Jay happened to know the director or the uh, director for the Lake Tahoe Summer Project. They were good friends in in school. Yeah. I think they oh, even okay. were roommates or something. Wow. And so, but Jay had had. Uh, left had left the staff of Campus Crusade with his wife Olgi, and they were working at a place called the U.S. Center for World Mission. And essentially, by him being there, he pretty much became uh, Dr. Ralph Winter, who was, uh, I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. a, a, an alum, a, a faculty at uh, Fuller, as well as some other things that he was doing there. But they they put on the map for us in this whole notion called hidden peoples, mm-hmm. hidden peoples, and or the unreached peoples uh, mm-hmm. movement. And they, this is, and we've heard it so much since then, and it came to be known as also as the 1040, 1040 window, window, or pretty yeah. much, they just look deeper into the, the whole notion of world evangelization, and really what it would take culturally, and to really reach the rest of the world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. And, and to expand on that, they were talking about uh, doing this, and he was putting on conferences at the time and SCOWI conferences, Student Conference on World Evangelization, SCOWI. And so oh my gosh. he had been doing that. <laughs> and so so our so they our leadership invited him and Dr. Ralph Winter personally to come up and spend like a week with us uh, wow, three or four days in a row mm-hmm. and just telling us about you know, opening up our minds to this whole notion of world evangelization and yeah. seeing it from its uh, biblical roots, mm-hmm. seeing it from its historical roots, seeing it from its uh, cultural roots, what it would take culturally, and then seeing it in terms of a, of, of a, of a world wide like what were students doing what mm-hmm. what could be students part and uh, and so we were looking at all these perspectives mm-hmm. <laughs> on world evangelization well to make a long 
story short, it, it was such a, an incredible move on that, on that project that pretty much all, a bunch of us, if not all, all the Penn Staters that were there, we got so fired up and, and our minds were opened up to the world. We, it, it just was a continuation of what pretty much what we were doing at Penn State, but just realizing, oh, the world consists more of just the sidewalk that surrounds Penn State University. Yeah. We had strategies to reach the entire campus on many different levels. And we just thought we, yes, of course, this is God's heart for the world. And so we, we thought a bunch of us got together, the leadership that was, I was, it was my senior year. We thought, what could we do? We're going to bring in Jay. Gary again, as well as Ralph Winter, and to Penn State, to Penn State University, we're going to hold our own Scowie conference, student conference on world evangelization. We're going to invite all these other Christian groups. We're going to have our own missions conference <laughs> on the campus at Penn State University, and let's just wow. keep this thing going. <clears throat> we planned for it. Uh, uh, Dr. Ralph Winter and Jay brought in a guy named Greg Livingston. He was uh, Oh my goodness, he was just fired up, up about the Muslims and the Muslim world and how they were hmm. opening up to the gospel. And it's, it was an incredible time that we had there in November and something special really happened there as well. Jay and Olga Gary followed up that conference and I was privileged to be a part of the kind of the student, the student, not the student leadership of that. And, and they were planning all along to follow this up with a course that they were developing that Jay and Olga were developing. <laughs> it wasn't called perspectives on the world Christian movement or just perspectives at the time. It was yeah. called it Insti international Institute of evangel. Some long, some, some long, long thing. Had three different yeah. books. Essentially Jay and Olga stayed there and they figured out how to get uh, college credit for it through Penn state university. Lincoln. Wow. It was, yeah. It was they we we challenged each other. We got if we get a hundred students together, we can. Mm -hmm. at, uh, I think it was like five hundred dollars each and pitch in, and we could kick this thing off. And and we did it. We recruited a hundred hundred of us, and wow. it ended up being that one of the the first uh, perspectives on the world Christian movement that that happened outside of the campus that Dr. Ralph Winter and Jay were, were a part of in uh, Pasadena, California. Yeah. That's so cool. I never, I never knew that story. That I knew that Jay had uh, started the perspectives yeah. course, but I, I didn't know. And he, I, I think uh, he was developing it at the time and yeah, it just you were the guinea it, pigs. We were the guinea pigs. It just hit right at the right place at the right time. They flew in missionaries from the field and oh my goodness, and, and, and uh, from all over the world. And we sat at their feet. They videotaped, videotaped. <laughs> kind of this is the spring of eighty, all right. So and they, uh, so they videotaped all, all these people that had just were just fresh from the field or, or and they were uh, you know scholars and statesmen and and uh, up there in terms of mission uh, missional leaders from all over the world so it was it was amazing to be a part of that and that's where it sealed the deal for many of us in our minds it's uh, not only do did we want to continue and you know walk away from our computer 
engineering degrees and engineering degrees. I remember holding the hands, uh, excuse me, a, a, a student that was in one of my discipleship groups. I remember thinking um, he had uh, come to show me a, a contract that he had just won with Exxon Mobil company. I used to help this guy with his calculus, with his math. <laughs> and his starting salary was $50,000. And at that time, that was probably worth about $200,000 in today's oh dollars. And, and I was just like, this, this, this could be mine, but it doesn't, this doesn't even match what we're going to be, <laughs> we're going to get our, give our lives to is to working with college student, college campus ministry and not stopping on the edges of the U S campus, but we want to extend this and keep this going to, to yeah. the ends of the earth. We could do this. We could build this. And so a bunch of us even came together and started something called the Caleb project. And that's where the Caleb okay. project got kicked off. And that was students that were banding together, whether they ended up going to the field or not, but they band together to keep each other accountable on how we continue to build our, our vision for the world, no yeah. matter where we ended up in our professions or, or where we ended up in the world, we could still be a world Christian, even though we were working in an office in Boston. You know, yeah. Massachusetts. yeah. So it was a very exciting dynamic time as a result of that, we picked out one of the hardest countries that we could think that uh, be impossible, just impossible to go to at the time. At the time, this guy named uh, Gaddafi was just <laughs> pretty uh, intense, uh, yeah, right. scary leader in Libya. And so uh, there's four of us initially together that we're, that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to go to Libya for, for God. And uh, we didn't have no idea how we're going to get there. We're going to go there. At the list, last minute, I backed out and got another guy to take my place. But the vision continued, and uh, it and it they began their own missions organization essentially for the next 15, 20 years. But that was the mentality. And Jay Gary was right in the middle of all of that, helping to just stir the pot and help make yeah. him and his wife Olgi amazing people. Now, shut that down. <laughs> I went on staff with Campus Crusade and I was uh, had, uh, started taking several mission trips to Japan and uh, uh -huh. reaching college students there in four different cities and doing uh, leading international summer projects there. And But uh, my wife and I decided to stay in the States and, and be senders and mobilizers. That was the right. term that we used and yeah. stayed strong in our vision in terms of world evangelization so there's there's kind of that first chapter so to say in terms of in terms of the story uh jay and olga in the meantime uh jay continued on to have tremendous impact in the in uh, the lasagne mm -hmm. uh, movement for world evangelization and began to rub shoulders with many thinkers and strategists and mappers of the world, ones who were really in tune with culture quite a bit as well. And, and uh, they began to, and there was just at the time, uh, even within Campus Crusade, as well as many other mission organizations, mm -hmm. there was this whole goal that we're going to reach the world for Jesus. We're going to complete world evangelization by the year 2000. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Initially for Campus Crusade, it was 1980. I mean, you can read yeah. publications that we're going to do this by night. Yeah. Was <laughs> Which was one year, year after we. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's when we kicked off perspectives, you know, for world yeah. movement. By the way, that that little class that has grown to, I, I think you know, but uh, right. it's just it's just grown to 
impact tens of thousands of, of people's lives in many different churches and denominations yeah. and schools yeah. all around, not only in the U.S., but all around the world. They have uh, many youth types, but yeah. anybody in the range to consider giving their life fully, totally for God's heart for for the world, and uh, yeah. it's 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 just an amazing course that uh, that Jay and Olgi developed over time. They eventually, you know, turned it over to other folks at the U.S. Center for for World Mission. It's just a, an amazing story. But Jay went on to work with major mission leaders, worldwide leaders all over the world. Reached the world by the year 2000. But as he continued his process of growth and development, and continued with others. He, he began to see that, you know, this, this probably is not going to happen. <laughs> it's probably not going to, as much, as, as cool as that sound, and as much money and prayer and other resource, people, manpower, woman power, resources you could raise, it's, they saw the hand, he saw the handwriting on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, he, and even though he was, uh, and to make a, even more of a longer, and you could, talk with him it'd be great to get him his own podcast with jay and Oye. but in my in my estimation this is he set about to chart even a higher course another course of how we're going to get this done and in and in more uh, futures studies became a value for for uh, jay and Olgi, and if that's i know is even as i say that term it could sound like a you know you've, you've heard the term futurist or something like i used to think you know guys and gals sitting around with a crystal ball trying to you know predict the future you know <laughs> pulling stuff out of the air you know in other places like just and uh no but no this was a very educated so it'd be like saying the word globalization yeah. Um, or global globalization studies like 20, 30 years ago. People would just be, what, what, what are you talking about? What right. what does that mean? It would be like saying the word ecology. If you look up the word ecology 100 years ago in a dictionary, can't find it, Andy. Can't mm-hmm. find it. These are There are folks, and this is the level that I think Jay and Olgi were on, along with a few other folks. They, they were thinking of the future and thinking mm-hmm. large large uh big plans big ideas big concepts and Mm -hmm. because we have a big god and a big world and they were imagining something anew that Mm -hmm. needed to happen within the body of christ in order to really be about this getting this job done with world evangelization we began to sit down and ask some tougher questions right In, in other words what does it mean to evangelize what does it mean to really see the, the gospel heard and received right. and lived? Yeah. And that was kind of, you know, if you think you only got a year left, you know, it's 1998, it's 99. Yeah. We got we to just hurry up and get this thing done, you know, yeah. get the gospel blimp, have it fly over, open up the page, <laughs> drop the gospel tracks, you know, show all the Jesus films that you can. And, 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 and again, God uses those. However, <laughs> It, it it's on a certain level with, with certain people that are happen to be really ready at the time they hear a message in that particular medium right. and have it really speak to their heart let alone continue to speak in their heart in a way yeah. that really impacts the culture this came 
full circle around in the 90s mm-hmm. um, when something happened in a place called Rwanda. Rwanda, mm-hmm. if you, mm-hmm. and the genocide that occurred there, mm-hmm. but if you were to look at missionary reports, Rwanda was an evangelized nation and it, it had been reached for Christ mm-hmm. in, in Rwanda. However, the, the particular cultural lineup, the histories, the peoples, it hadn't been mm-hmm. impacted deeply to where there was genocide. Millions, in the, millions the of people two, died overnight at the hand of machetes, hand-to-hand combat. It, it was it, Christian folks. Yeah, it was Christian against Christian. Yeah. Both, both of the, the two tribes that were right. at Hutu war. And were, Tutsis, yeah. Yeah, they were Christian. It wasn't Muslim against Christian or vice or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it, that that began to really hit some folks like, wow, we we may need to rethink what we even mm-hmm. mean by a reached mm-hmm. nation or unreached mm-hmm. peoples. And again, what was what was impactful for us as we as I continue to stay in touch with Jay and Olgi over the years, and I'll share more of that story, but was just the whole notion of of what do we need to do to learn the culture, learn the language, learn the heart language, what speaks to the heart of, of the person and, 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 and not just having intellectual assent, but what does it mean for a changed life right. in, in, in the name of, of Jesus? And, and then how does even one receive a message like that and, mm-hmm. or receive a lifestyle, receive a changed life, a changed renewal of thinking, a renewal of, the, renewal of the whole person. And so even notions like what you intimated early on, Andy, about uh, seeing the whole world, whole world, maybe including old growth forests as well, you know, our mm-hmm. rivers, uh, things that we're putting into the atmosphere and, and our bodies as our, uh, you know, the, the physical external dimension, as well as the spiritual dimension. And, and even thinking about the kingdom of God, yeah. Right here, right now. That was another major shift that happened for me. For when I, I stayed in touch with Jane Olgi over the years, uh, and there were shifts that were going on in my own life in terms of what it meant to reach the campus for Jesus, even. Mm-hmm. And um, I could share more about those, but those came back together again um, in uh, after the after the year two thousand and uh, about the year uh, two thousand and three. So. <laughs> up to that point i was a uh and this is where it's what i'm gonna about to share with you is this this can get messy and this this is not just <laughs> typical testimony you know what my life was like before during and after jesus it was all good yeah. it was all wonderful yeah. we're just all sharing the gospel and everyone's coming into the kingdom of god and growing wonderfully it was it was difficult it was hard begin to get in tune with uh, myself as a and my personality and mm-hmm. how i how i rolled how i operated and and that was one to where i was like trying new things all the time i, I want to do something new and mm-hmm. when i realized even within a what I, th- I thought at the time was a cutting edge ministry college campus ministry we're outside of the t- typical youth group norms of you know, mm-hmm. doing it here at church, but we're, we thought, wow, we're on the edges. We're really doing this in whole new ways and reaching tons of, of new people with the gospel message. 
I, I just love tinkering. I love trying new things, new ways, and realize it wasn't always together appreciated on uh, particular teams that I was a part of. <laughs> and a lot of times I had to, it, 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 it seemed like the problem was me. I, I it, like, was I rebellious of, towards leadership and authority? Those were kind of the, uh, you know, the ways to deal with uh, ones that weren't just kind of following the whole program at, at the right. time. And so I, but I, but I would usually find a way to accomplish, you know, the, <laughs> the end goal, the, the, uh, the, the purpose missions, but I always try, I always did it in some unconventional ways of the time so after a while i felt like put up with uh, on on the various teams that i was a part of and this mm -hmm. kind of came in later in terms of connecting back up with uh, jay and olgi gary eventually uh, the campus started something called the worldwide student network with jay and olgi and they collaborated with this guy named rich lauderhaus have you heard of that name before yeah, um he, uh, <laughs> he was he was actually my boss we were working together at the uh, Campus Crusade for Christ headquarters. He was wow. uh, in charge of all the international uh, student projects and uh, wow. helping that to happen. Of course, he knew I was a, uh, a round peg in a square hole. <laughs> what am I doing <laughs> in an office? I'm not an office <laughs> person. And this, yeah. is, uh, this is part of the, uh, again, the GSA story of uh, Rich and myself. <clears throat> Um, I, I was chopping at the bit to uh, get out of the office and he would, Rich actually, when this was on Sabbath Crusade, he allowed me half the time, he didn't want me to tell anybody else, but I could leave the office half the time and help start a, a campus ministry at a nearby community college. And normally Crusade didn't go to community colleges, yeah. they didn't have dorms or, right. you know, the, the setup, you know, to really <laughs> see the... Uh, the incubator for spiritual growth, you know, was in the college campus uh, dorms, yeah. no dorms, none of that, but it linked it up with a local church, which was hmm, kind of interesting and, and unusual yeah. at that time right. to do that. And, uh, and this uh, pastor happened, he happened to work half, half his time, guess where, at the U.S. Center for World Mission, World him and Jay Gary were really tight. And uh, we all kind of collaborated together. It was a lot of, it was, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Half the time being a part of the uh, think tank and working uh -huh. with Rich and at the headquarters, but the other half of the time being out on the campus, working out these ideas of reaching unreached, overlooked pockets of students mm -hmm. that maybe didn't seem to have it all lined up on paper that they were ready to go. Mm -hmm. but learned the language and thought with a missional mindset of what it would take to mm -hmm. connect even with a community college campus student and how to mm -hmm. integrate that with a local church, not necessarily a already prepackaged and pre-made college campus ministry out of the box that Campus Crusade for Christ seemed to have at the time. And so that's all that was brewing for a while. Eventually, uh, I became married. I was sent to the field, and uh, continued this mindset in the places that I that I went to. Right. And <clears throat> Andy, yeah, one of the questions I began to ask, and this is something that happened with college campus ministries. We were just told, hey, you know, you just you just spread the seed far and wide, and look for the one out of ten students that will respond to a survey, one out of 10 students that will respond to your initiative or, or an yeah. advertisement, one out right. of 10 students that'll, you just, hey, have you ever heard of the four spiritual? I just start a conversation with. 
yeah. and, and just leave the other nine out of 10 go. Don't worry about them. That's not your concern. They're not ready yet. Their hearts uh -huh. are hard, or maybe they're just not ripe enough right. and just run right. with the one out of 10. And so you got to keep moving. And that's where uh, the mentality is move with the movers, you know, kind of keep, keep going. But I began to ask questions like, you know, what about those nine out of 10? What are they really thinking as they see, you know, the other people move on beside, beside what, what are they really thinking and feeling? I just always, I began to implore and engage a lot more about that just that was in the back of my mind. Yeah. As I went off to Boise State University. Okay. In the in the mid '90s, and it was there. And many things that I could share, but uh, this this kicked off. You know, I teach philosophy today at a nearby. Right. 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 We'll get into we'll get into that. Well, here's where it started. I was I was just doing my thing in the Union Building one day. Uh -huh. had always had got a table in there usually in the corners on risers and said i could always tell you just just meet me in the corner on the on the table on, on the risers but i'd usually be fighting for that table with the <laughs> uh with another group on campus the philosophy club okay <laughs> let me if you were to ask me at the time what i thought of the philosophy club I, I call them intellectual losers. I would just be like, <laughs> don't bother yourself. They're a lost cause. You know, they, it's like, not only are they not interested in God, they figured out reasons not to be interested in God. You know, they're kind of yeah. like, this not, it's just not passive. This is just an active rebellion. They don't want, you know, the atheists and agnostics and just, they're, they're not interested, you know, and and so it, usually they would they would get one of the tables i would get maybe one of the tables one day and it, a lot of times we we would end up our tables being fairly close by each other uh -huh. and we can overhear our conversations uh -huh. <laughs> all throughout the day <laughs> one day i'm sitting there with the, some of the athletes at my table and some other students on campus all of the philosophy club at their table, they get up in mass and they come to our table and they surround our table. And I thought, today's it. <laughs> we're getting it's it on. Be... <laughs> you know, finally, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have a out. battle of wits, you know, of uh, minds or something. And I, and, uh, and if you knew me at the time, I, I kind of love that kind of thing. <laughs> so, and this, here's what they said. They said, we want to co-sponsor a debate on campus on morality and the existence of God. We've already found our atheist. Now we're looking for a theist, someone who believes in God. We have to overhear your God talk over here all the time. So <laughs> any takers, you know, one of you is bound to step up. <laughs> And uh, make a, another long story short, I I, lo I love that. I picked up that gauntlet and I thought, I somebody's got to speak for God here. You know, somebody's got to defend God. I'll do uh -huh. it. And uh, so I, I think I went off and memorized uh, J.P. Moreland had uh, just written a book called Scaling the Secular City oh, yeah. and, and on, on Christian worldviews and, uh -huh. and how to basically take down the atheists. You know, <laughs> I was 
and uh, <laughs> I, was, I was reading uh, the third chapter in there on the Euthyphro argument and Socrates talking with Euthyphro, and I was just just memorizing. I was good at uh, just short term <laughs> memorizing, and but God hit me in the middle of that, and this is part of the major second major shift that happened in my life. And that is basically this. Here's Bruce. This is how you're going to win the debate. You you win the debate if the audience knows that you love your enemy. Oh wow! And again, I was I was more work out of my head. That's where I got a lot of my innovative. Uh, nourishment and, and 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 drive but i was not used to exactly loving people to Jesus. i was used to communicating yeah and out flanking or the intellectual angle on that there was many others that were involved that, that just were great at loving on people that was not my usual mo yeah that was that was a, a, a another kind of language I, I could do but it was but that just opened up Andy, from there, I'll, I'll, I'll probably write it in a, in, a, in a book someday, but there's uh, some major things began to happen. Uh, it eventually led to me befriending the campus atheist, and that's who was my opponent during, during the debate, by the way. Yeah. And he was like a Goliath. This guy was intimidating. Everybody knew it. Everyone knew him on campus. And... Um, and on purpose, I'm not telling you what happened during during the during the, <laughs> the debate, but it's something very unusual happened there at the same time. I'll I'll make that a teaser for my for a book that I'm going to write okay. about someday. Okay. But the uh, but just a, just a major shift had happened, and part of the actually becoming friends with someone that was still big and intimidating, intimidating and, and yeah. bold and brash and. Uh-huh kind of hard to be around at times um it it changed me and it began to change my mindset to this notion and in in and i thought about what instead of battling doing battle with folks Mm -hmm. for the gospel what if i just simply tried to connect with them more yeah as a person that can disagree with what i'm sharing and saying but i could yeah. still love on them and like them and then in the and still hang with them even though they weren't seen as a strategic asset because of their hard heart or their hard mind uh-huh. along the way uh-huh. Uh-huh. um eventually i was invited to join the philosophy club eventually became a member of the philosophy club I had to relearn so you join those intellectual losers yes <laughs> And you became what, one yes <laughs> it's a whole long story but they I mean, converted you right uh, Bruce, is that uh, yes and, <laughs> and that would be really i could only wait about 30 years later in order to admit that or say that um at the time i i, I wasn't even thinking that. at the time i i joined the the clubs because i was thinking i'm i'm, I'm the crusader i'm, I'm the knight oh, yeah, in you're gonna, to go you're in gonna and be like the uh, trojan horse among this this philosophy group that's probably so i remember uh one time i was in there and i i said you know this this emmanuel Kant guy he just doesn't really seem like you know all that you know what what, what's what's going on you know and they they just laughed they just laughed at me bruce 
we're gonna, we're gonna save you some pain here buddy uh first of all it's not can't <laughs> don't, don't say, it's can't it's can't don't ever say emmanuel can't you just you just you just come across like a first grader when you do that you know just don't do that and i was like oh, okay emmanuel okay tell me about him so i had to learn to ask questions uh, and, and and learn to be corrected and learn to to listen and like tell me tell me about Emmanuel Kant and then they okay Bruce that's really I you're touching on something I think so often in evangelical world we've got the answer right so we go we we're we might say we listen but we don't often listen we we don't we just I got to get through this little booklet we even were trained okay it's the discussion gets off we're going to get back yes and to take a different approach of like well i don't i don't know everything oh and i need to listen you, oh oh <laughs> you just said something reminded me okay apologetics apologetics was hot and heavy at the time right um we will we know the answer we're yeah. gonna give it to you whether you we're going to give it to you at least so you'll know yeah. that you can know for sure dot 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 about god jesus the gospel at that time any i had the again it's a whole process in my life but to realize one of the three most powerful apologetic apologetic christian apologetic uh-huh. these three words i don't know wow I don't know. Yeah. Be able to say that. I began to take the time to ask these guys, what do you really, because I, I could see the, my usual circle of friends or whatever, I could see their best intentions in the world to uh-huh. want to share the good news, share the gospel. Right. And it would just be rebuffed, uh, deflected, yeah. uh, ignored by these ones, these guys and the women and, and their friends, but they engage with me so intently. I can't tell you how many times I went to a philosophy club meeting where the topic of God was already in full. It was going, I, I thought I have to bring God. I have to bring Jesus to these conversations. No, there, it was already happening. It was already going. And a lot of times we're, we even think, but in terms that we weren't quite used to right. in language that we weren't quite mm. used to and just thought oh they they just have hard hearts yeah you know, there was they were just searching in ways that we may not have been picking up on and they yeah. hated the attitude of ones who came in and said sit down be quiet let me tell you right. what god is all about what jesus yeah. is all about how this yeah. whole thing works yeah that was an immediate turnoff to them yeah. And I had to, but they wanted to hear me or they wanted to hear my story. Hmm. They wanted to interact with ones like, I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm everything, but they, it, and, and they felt tremendously put down. They knew when they, if Christians thought of atheists as second class, you could feel that. Yeah, you know that. 
right. uh, or, or an agnostic type or one that was just wrestling publicly. Like, I don't know whether God really exists or not. Well, okay. That's unripe fruit. We can't work with that. We'll have to wait later to maybe come <laughs> yeah. back to this or we uh, will make friends with you later when we have time, we got to keep moving. Uh, they did not, they, they really, that actually, it wasn't just the gospel just didn't stay neutral at that point. in a lot of these students' lives, they, they resented it. They, they could feel it. And then, you know, and, and not only just a, a bit of a cold shoulder, but then all the way to, and that at the time, the culture wars was really starting to take off and really raise yeah. the, uh, yeah. the, uh, it was called the moral majority, but eventually they were trans, they were transitioning to the Christian coalition. I was in the middle of that. I fought in the culture wars. I, that's a whole nother chapter. I just thought, Hey, something new, different. I love battles. I love, mm-hmm. con- I, I just love, uh, defending the gospel, defending God. And yet I began to see where, win the battle lose the war yeah being able to see that it it really embittered where one out of ten might be interested in wanting to talk with you further about god and spiritual things two out of ten nah didn't matter but the seven out of ten yuck they they didn't want it they began to lump lump it all together so when they began to see people holding signs like god (laughs) <laughs> that was lumped you were you were lumped together with hey let me tell you about the four spiritual laws you're, it was just it was kind of a you were lumped together and i began to see this phenomenon and it began to mm-hmm. burden me greatly and i wanted to try and do something about that instead yeah. for whatever reason the groups uh, christian groups i was a part of really did not well, really didn't want to know enough to do something about it they the ones who knew me personally maybe said well bruce if that's something that you really want to be about and do that's that's fine but again that's again that's on your own time that's Mm -hmm. that's that's just something that maybe you want to do but i began to have a burden that you know i think this is happening on a bigger scale right and this is where i began to see that um I, I began to take some classes, extension classes through Fuller Seminary. Mm-hmm. And that's for the first time I came in touch with this word that described culture and what was happening within culture, particularly within Europe. Mm-hmm. But it made total sense to me what I was experiencing out on the college campus on the, on the, in its edges. And here's the word, postmodernism. Yeah. Postmodernism. And it made sense to me then. What I be, what I felt like I was seeing happening on the college campus was there's students that are just their whole approach to life w- was shifting to where right. truth at the capital T was no longer the the major value, something we can make an appeal towards. Yeah. In terms of having solid foundations and having assurance of one's faith, having assurance of your answers, saying that you know, you know God, you know Jesus, you know the gospels, you know how this thing works, you know campus ministry, you know how, you know success. Or these these were words that just scared the scared the heck out of tons of students, other students that I that I was connecting with. They mm-hmm. they didn't want to have anything to do with groups that were so sure of anything Hmm. even though it you could 
say it undermines just about anything that you say that you come to know or believe that's just where the culture was at so yeah to win well you might win a, an occasional argument but i saw that or, or win an occasional battle but there was a major shift that was going on in the culture where there was there was going to be some major losses happening in the future to make a long story short i uh, began to inquire more and more what was we doing as a as a as a whole as a whole group as a whole organization to deal with this yeah shift to postmodern it was happening within europe on large scales ones who were coming back from overseas seeing it it was began to happen in the uh the art departments here in the uh -huh. in the u.s uh, -huh. uh it began to happen in architectural departments where this whole you know postmodern art and then then literature department postmodern literature and that was and, and, and again, the response that I began to see from Christians in major Christian organizations, even the one that I was involved with, is that we got to fight this. Yeah, we have wow. to go to battle. We have to vanquish postmodernism. Mm -hmm. We have to vanquish the foe. I was at conferences where the very first thing, you know, and, and I wanted to speak into this, but it was, you know, anyway, that's a whole other story. But I, the speakers are coming in. Here was the very first words of, of the of the talk i hate postmodernism. you know so it was kind of like there was this mm -hmm. so there was at least an acknowledgement of the term mm -hmm. but then our reaction to it mm -hmm. was like it, it took me back to where where god said you know you here's how you're going to win the debate bruce <laughs> you're not going to vanquish the foe the audience you need the love on the enemy yeah the you will win when the audience knows that you you love the love that your opponent up there and yeah your opponent engaging the culture in such a way that knowing that it's shifting knowing that we need to learn learn some new languages learn some new terms learn some yeah to to re reconstitute <laughs> so this is where we get this whole thing of renewal or reinvent or Mm -hmm. re-energize re-something reconstitute reintegrate reintegrate re you know yeah reintegrate and and but there was factors within the christian movements at the time that had seen so much success in the past they were digging in their heels against mm -hmm. it there was mm -hmm. little room to maneuver within it and that's where i knew i i need to go yeah i and i was it killed it I'd been involved over 20, 25 some years in college campus ministry. And yeah. it's, I felt like I was walking away from something major. I was dealing with mm -hmm. issues in my own life, my own heart, pride issues that combined with this to, uh, mm -hmm. in terms of aspiring to greater and greater forms and mantles of leadership being placed on my, on my shoulder. This was happening at the same time. So I was, I was being broken in in many ways uh, that I, I i thought i was just gonna work it all out within this former group that i was a part of that i love that it changed that it got it used so much in my life but i knew i i need to add i had I had to leave and i didn't know exactly where i needed to head and go when i did that i just mm -hmm. and that's where i reconnected with jay and olgi gary and i was contacting some of my closest friends around the country that knew a bit of my journey knew my heart mm -hmm. for god and for, i wasn't walking away from my faith in god in any way in yeah. fact i was going deeper in it yeah and uh 
And Jay said, come on out, fly out to Colorado Springs. That's where he had <laughs> reconstituted himself and uh, was, he was engaging with future studies and the, that old mentality and that mindset and trying to inculcate that back within the church as we know it, back within evangelical circles in particular. Uh, I was talking worldviews at the time. I, he knew that I was wanting to go on a, on a on another level of connecting with people, but I still had this, I was still, it took a long time. I still had this fighting mentality, this culture war mentality that I had to win, yeah. win, win. Yeah. And he basically said, come, let's, let's work together. I graduated. I, I was, I, I had gone back to Fuller, got a degree in intercultural studies with a postmodern emphasis. And this is where I was affirmed, not only through the emergent church guys, but also with uh, theological studies and philosophical studies that said you're on the right track here but you you this thing that you've that saw and felt out on the campus it has been happening over time and there's a shift that's going on from modern to postmodern thought and thinking uh jay basically said come let's work on this together and i was just thinking okay we'll see what happens here i knew i wanted to what would it be like I could begin to see the next unreached people group as a postmodern young person, as a postmodern person that didn't approach truth in absolute ways, may, maybe even objective ways, but more relativistic ways. And rather than hammering and putting them down for thinking so relativistically about truth, how about if I learn the language and try and meet them where they're at? Yeah. And try and reconstitute what truth means for the uh -huh. postmodern person. And therefore, what, what would good news mean? What would the gospel mean for that kind of person? Mm -hmm. That was fun to be able to dream that with Jay in 03 and 04 and 05 yeah. and Rich. Yeah. Rich came alongside right at that time. Jay had so many more irons in the fire of how he was hoping to see a, a mindset of future studies inculcate within a, within a, a graduate degree within uh, higher learning and, and institutions. And he went on to, and has gone on to be about that, both with him and Olgi, they're just brilliant in terms of helping to make that happen and a larger scale, whatever. I, I was open to teach a class at a community college that Jay had introduced me to the, to the uh, chair of the philosophy department the first month I was in Colorado Springs. And I had a newly minted graduate degree, this guy needed you know, some adjunct instructors, but I'd be willing to teach a glass. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I was thinking, you know, I, there's a whole nother story behind this, but I, I was just thinking, you know, I had, I'd been on the campus, my whole life. I used to always think the faculty administration was our enemy that we had to overcome, you know, on the campus right, as a college right. campus minister and kind yeah. of do a work around and do, you know, under, you know, underground kind of stuff. And hopefully they wouldn't catch us at things that were <laughs> religious and, conflict of church and state and all the rest and i just thought you know i'm i'm just going to go for it i am going to be all present as a believer in god a follower of jesus i am not going to shy, shy shrink away from that i am going to share that i'm but i'm going to share it with my new postmodern language that i was learning out of a spirit of brokenness I was going to share it out of narrative and story and i was going to ask a lot of questions so i, I just said i'll be socratic and narrative with my pedagogy you know that's that's the language and i did it 
and I just said, and if they want to fire me, you know, students, you know, this, this guy's a Jesus freak. I just can't, you know, I, I, we're here to learn fly. There's no what. Mm-hmm. but and they could just let me go i wasn't going to miss you know they my son working at mcdonald's makes more than an adjunct instructor <laughs> makes at a college i mean at the time i did i did the work i did the spreadsheet you know how much time time and the, to prep and meet with students after class they just only pay you class hours you know that you're yeah students loved it mm-hmm. students allowed me to share good news in the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of Kierkegaard and Kant and- Not Kane. Not, <laughs> not Kant, but Kant. But I always, I always told them the Kant story because they all related. <laughs> they all say Kant. You know, I go, hey, hey, let me, let me fill you in. You're gonna, I was just as, I, write, I was right where you were at, thinking I was really yeah. smart. I'm reading Emmanuel Kant, you know? They're like, <laughs> no. <laughs> they, Sorry, uh, I interrupted you. No, I learned. Um, there's other verses in the Bible that are very problematic for you know, uh, you know, to be what wise is something and innocent as doves. We get the innocent as doves, you know, a dove. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wise as as a, a serpent. serpent? <laughs> like what? What does that mean? Right. I've learned to. Uh, I've come to value certain aspects within education, certain aspects within diversity, mm-hmm. certain aspects within uh, race theory, mm-hmm. certain aspects within uh, the pedagogy of truth, certain aspects of postmodernism that could work for the believer in God and follower of Jesus that could mm-hmm. not only just not put up with, but to expand even more as a believer, as a as a Christ in one, a Christian, mm-hmm. a Christian, within these circles that are just so polarized today. We, I was talking about bridge building far, be, far before a 2016 election. I was talking about stories of bridge building, stories of when I was ready to do battle mm-hmm. in a Boise State Union, student union with the philosophy club, with those agnostic atheist types they're also they were followers of believers of god within those groups but i didn't want to i didn't think they were real or what didn't count or whatever so anyway but that they could realize that i was ready to do battle but then i realized that i was that i was missing Mm -hmm. some major components in my life in my thinking in my Mm -hmm. philosophy in my approach Mm -hmm. to life this notion of love and all of a sudden these doors are open doors are open i cannot tell you so many spiritual conversations i've been able to have with students in class outside of class at post class i cannot keep up i i have to figure out whole new ways to connect with them and some continued philosophy uh, discussion groups over that's a whole nother yeah, we could, we could talk about, but I've basically been trying to, in a sense, rewrite a manual on college campus ministry, but in a, <laughs> in a, in a from a from underneath, in an unconventional, unexpected, broken, advocate way. In in not just the 
be proud of to know that there's one way to God, but how many of the thousand ways to Jesus could <laughs> do we still yet to realize out there and to connect with Jesus in, in, in whole new ways? So there's and that's been happening for the last 17 years. Uh, one class became two classes, became three classes. Uh, and, and we're just, I'm jazzed that we're working in such a way as to, as to connect with, with folks that are still, would be very interested in good news, very interested yeah. in the gospel. And they're usually about it in ways that they don't even realize and they may say with their lips that they're agnostic or that they're atheist or that they're new age or that they're Eastern thought or Marxist or socialist or, or any other ism, political, business, culture, whatever, but we're never finished products. We're always on the way yeah. as we're getting in the way uh-huh. with God. Getting in the way with God, I think is the, the app term to because we're still learning and growing and that's a part of, that's part of the philosophy that i see the communication that we could have is that how could we continue to learn and grow from any anybody around us even though they may not be speaking god and jesus right now that's it's like a magnet they can't we all can't help but to be drawn to what fully satisfies our heart yeah and that will continue and how can we get out of the way in that process or uh-huh. get in the way in that yeah. process it's it's uh i have more specific stories i could share but maybe that could be another, another yeah place. yeah i think we're gonna have to unfortunately wrap it up but i i like that we it's still open-ended i mean i think these conversations <laughs> can happen People can reach out. I appreciate, wow, just this journey of understanding not only your, your own life, but how God used you to help shape who we are and as an organization. And Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh. And I realized mm-hmm. um, for me, the route that I was going within all the other institutional stuff before, I was, I was really more about power. Mm-hmm than mm-hmm. than love hmm. it wasn't either or yeah but i had it was so marbled to, and that will be a thorn that will still be my, i don't think uh, that will be something i have to deal with to the day i die yeah is the the pride factor and the in being able to uh let go of big mm-hmm. and organized yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and having it all together, it's, it's still a, a work in process mm-hmm. to embrace the words messy, mm-hmm. broken, maybe even disorganized. <laughs> um, um, I, I, I want to be a good teacher. I want to be a good instructor of philosophy, but I will blow it at times in my enthusiasm and in and in my passion. I'll, st- I'll I'll cross the line with 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 somebody somewhere, 
maybe even take offense or feel offended. And if it was a, uh, if, if, if they're dealing with pride then that's, that's one thing, but sometimes they just miss, it, it's just a miss what I'm doing. Or maybe I had, I, I was dealing with, uh, you know, hurt and I was slinging it yeah. back, you know, in a classroom. Sometimes yeah. students can get snarky as well. Well, a, a faculty can get snarky back. And to be able to stand in in front of the class the next day or to acknowledge it even later on in the in the class period, uh, it's one of the hardest things to do. I'm, I'm supposed to model philosophical understanding and reflection with my students, but to, be, but to admit that um, I'm still a work in process. Yeah. So embarrassing. But and I still don't get it today, but for today's student, it speaks to them way more than what I can mm -hmm. think or conceive. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, and is there good news in that? Definitely. I think so. And, but di and, and then to be able to share honestly out of my own life, my deep, what my motivations to mm -hmm. be able to admit pain or hurt or confusion or chaos or or um worse mm -hmm. in my life that's could that be good news for a lot of the postmodern crowd today yeah i think so i think so too. i think so wow. <sighs> yeah that's <laughs> it's, great bruce it's been it's been a joy just to spend the morning with you here and uh, the journey that you've been on. I appreciate so much who you are and what you mean to us in global service. Thank you, brother. All right. Have a good one. All right. We'll see you. All right. All right. This has been the Global Service Associates Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Andy McCullough. Our theme song is Lay It Down by Travis and the Ghost. We hope you catch all our episodes so that we can all better connect as members. Thank you.